is that you can, there are ways while you still stay in this shit job for now, there are ways that you can start to think about how to move out or how to get in a better position. And that's what all this is about. The millennial generation is as follows. Welcome to Surrounded by Idiot Radio Podcast. Just helping to make your life at least 1% better every single day. This is the Surrounded by Idiots Radio Podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Tony Dufresne, PhD, back with you this week. Really glad to be back with you. I have uh, some three really cool feel-good stories for the week. And then this week, we are going to talk about finding that career, uh, getting out of a soul-crushing job and switching over and finding something a little more aligned with your calling. And uh, and that's because I've had a lot of clients lately come to me, and that's been the major problem. The problem is, is that they've gotten into a job, especially as a young adult, after getting out of school and getting into something that is, is this, that starter or even the first couple jobs at the first uh, few years and getting in there and thinking, you know, I, I now I've got the money thing taken care of, sort of, sort of. And, uh, and, but there's something missing and there's something that may be not aligned. And so this is going to be three proven paths, three proven ways to get out of a soul crushing job and into a career, into a uh, life purpose type of career, something a little more aligned with what you want to do. Before we get into that, a couple things. I was on a, a radio show last week. It was a read my lips radio with Bonnie Graham. It was a lot of fun. I had a great time, and uh, she's a very popular uh, podcast uh, radio show and out of the uh, back east. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to post that uh, link to the show, and uh, and that's almost a full hour. We had a great time back and forth. The second was I did another show. It was W... I think it's WPHC in uh, New York. It was with Bill Haran. His show is called Secrets of Success. I just recorded that a couple days ago. It's going to be out on, he's going to put it out on September the 19th and again, I think on the 23rd or so. So there's a little bit of time before that, but I'm going to make sure I'll let you know ahead of time when that comes out. We did uh, about a 25-minute show, give or take, talking about the book and some fun stuff. He's a really good host. He's been doing it for years and years, and he has authors on and and uh, other people that just talk about success hacks, life hacks type of stuff. So I had a great time with that. And I'm going to share that with you when it comes out. So let's get to the three feel-good stories of the week. First one is the Harriman Middle School student leaves positive notes around school. So they started leaving these positive notes written in brightly colored highlighter around this middle school hallway and in the bathrooms. The group of students left between 50 and 100 encouraging notes. Now, Nicole True, an eighth-grade student at Harriman, is a member of the school's house council. That's the group that came up with the idea to leave the notes. And she said other students had told her that the gesture really does make a difference. She said, I I think it makes all the difference in the world, considering the fact that all of us had had someone come up to us and say that really affected us in a major way. Now, True continued to say that she received a lot of thank yous and thinks the small act of kindness uh, makes everyone's day a little bit happier. Couldn't agree more, especially at middle school. Remember back in middle school? Man, that's that's just every day is a challenge in middle school. You don't know, up from down, left from right. And so really good for them to be doing really cool 
uh, positive stuff like that. The second uh, feel-good story of the day, police officer on duty at an Argentina hospital breastfeeds a malnourished baby. Now, a police officer who was on duty at the hospital in Buenos Aires made a great gesture of love, according to a Facebook post last Tuesday, when she breastfed a malnourished baby who had been brought to the medical center. And the police officer, Celeste Ayala, heard the six-month-old baby crying when the child and her five older siblings were brought to the hospital by social workers who had removed them from the parents who were unemployed and had major addiction problems. Now, Ayala, the police officer, had a 16-month-old daughter, and she recognized the sounds of the hungry baby when she started crying at the hospital. So she asked the social worker if she could breastfeed the baby, and she did. And they got actually got some pictures of it, and I've seen this in a number of different uh, news feeds. And uh, what a great gesture, though, to get the because she knows that you know you're a six month old baby. If you've been breastfed, which they it sounds like they have, you can't just start. You can't hand them a hamburger, and you can't even hand them like milk, or even get them a bottle, or even formula sometimes because they're not ready for it because they haven't been accustomed to anything other than breast milk. So good for her to jumping in and taking care of that. The last feel good. Story of the week, I actually saw in a number of places, and I'm really glad this got some traction all over the place, probably because it has to do with Pink, and you you probably seen it, but I'm going to mention it again. Pink stops a concert to get grieving teen, to give grieving teen a hug from heaven. This was so cool. So last month, 14-year-old Leah Murphy lost her mom, and the two of them bonded over Pink and her music. So on Monday, Leah's aunt, Katrina, took Leah to the to the Pink concert in Brisbane, Australia. Now, during the show on Tuesday, Pink stopped singing in the middle of her set list after she saw Leah's sign. Now, Leah made a sign, and she brought it in. She, it said, my name is Leah, I'm 14 years old, and I lost my beautiful mom last month. I would love a hug. That, that's on the sign. So Pink, when she saw this, she immediately came down from the stage to find Leah, and so Leah wasn't right at the at the edge of the stage. She was a little further back. So the crowd parted so that Leah and her aunt could make her way to the front row. And her aunt said, when we ended up at the front row and Pink just held on to her for like, it felt like 20 seconds. And Leah's only 14 and she's this tiny little thing. And she just sobbed uncontrollably in Pink's arms. And, uh, and so the aunt said, I, I just really feel it was a hug from heaven. I feel that her mom orchestrated the whole thing. So if that if that doesn't make you feel good, man, nothing will. For this week, I want to talk about, uh, and I'll run through this, the three proven paths out of your soul-crushing job and into a fulfilling career. When I went back to New York, this is the thing I pitched to a lot of the news organizations. And actually, I, I pitched this to Bill for a show and wrote out all the show notes and stuff. And then all he wanted to do is talk about my book, which was awesome. And I really appreciated him talking about my book. But I had this already for the show a couple of days ago. And I'm like, well, I'm going to make this a podcast and then I'll just do it myself. So as a coach and a mentor to mostly young adults, because my my audience, and I'm sure you're probably in this area somewhere, is about 22, 23 to about 37 or 38. So it's more of the millennial. And I, and actually, it's mostly been women. It's about 70, 30 with the, with the uh, girls and guys. Uh, so that's kind of who I have worked with and what my audience has been over the past, has developed into over the past eight years or so. So, But I see this. I see this one issue in terms of the job thing as it, with a vast majority of my clients. Here's the deal. 
what it comes down to, it comes down to, obviously, it comes down to job dissatisfaction. And I'm going to throw a, a little stat out at you. And this is not a fake news bullshit. Find it on the back, on back page of Craigslist type of thing or, you know, created in, in the White House. This is something that's legit. It's from the Gallup organization. The Gallup's been around forever and they're legit in regards to doing surveys. According to the Gallup organization, Millennials are the least engaged generation at work, least engaged, with only about 29% of U.S. millennials engaged in their jobs, engaged, right? I mean, when you go there and you're, you know, you focus and you can, you know, you're, you're okay and you want to do what you want to do. That means that over 70% of you are not engaged. You're just, you're there just to grind out and, and get a paycheck and survive, but why? Why is this the case? Why are there so many millennials that are disengaged with their jobs? I I have a I think it's three reasons that, that I've come up to after looking really digging deep and looking into this, looking at different studies. Uh, Pew had a really good study on it. Pew Research had a good study, uh, and uh, Huff Post had one. Inc. Magazine I saw one. Forbes I think had one. I read through all that stuff, and this is what I've come up with, and I think it. I think it has to do with these three things, why the generation is having such a hard time. The first thing is the culture of the baby boomer parents and also some Gen Xer parents, right? So your parents and and with millennial kids led to a good number of those kids. And this is probably not you if you're listening to this, but follow me on this. It led to a good number of them being pumped full of that whole special and into situations where they won against competition, even when they didn't actually win. That's the whole thing about the participation trophy. I'm not against it, so stay with me. I think the parents' reframing of this, because the recession came in and basically wiped out the American dream, you know, in 2008, the American dream was to, you know, it, it, the pension thing was already gone, right? The retirement thing, gold watch crap. We were kind of phasing out of that, but there were still individual retirement accounts and small investments and the stock market was going crazy and the real estate market was going nuts and people were making a ton of money just by owning a house or not even owning a house. You're having a, having a mortgage on it, but by, by selling at the right time, they are making a ton of equity. And so all of a sudden they, you know, they had a million dollars worth of worth uh, and they're, and they're, you know, working 40,000 a year jobs. That's just kind of how it worked. So people were all fired up. It was the American dream. It was, you know, making this money and doing good work, hard work and, and middle class and everything was rocking until the bubble happened. Boom. Done. Like half of the wealth, half of the wealth vanished during the Great Recession. Not, not just in the U.S. either, not just in the States, but actually across the world, half the wealth just vanished. And so what happened was is that that whole dream, all these parents are building their kids up during this time, that it just vanished. And so now they go into protection mode. As a parent, I lived through this. My daughter's 27 now. So I went through the same exact thing. I, in 2008, she was, what, 91, 2001, 2000. She was, what, 16 or something, 2008? And um, it was, uh, that's what I went through too as a parent. When that happened, I felt, I think parents went overprotective and I think that they wanted to provide whatever they could to their kid and, and be more nurturing towards them as, as just a response to all the shit that was going on and they were trying to create a more stable home life. That's what I think happened. What, what, well, what happened is like anything, things can get overdone. And I think that's why you hear a lot of stuff about, 
the uh, the helicopter parent, and I think that's why you hear a lot of stuff about the the entitled millennial because it it, it all depends on personality, right? I mean, you know, it, you could be this, the you could be a brother and sister in the house, and one could be an entitled douchebag, and the other one could be just a hard worker that has a good understanding and was really happy that they had a nurturing childhood, and and their parents were there, and they and you know participation trophies and stuff. I always taught my daughter that, that, you know, life is what it is and, and it's, and, and she can make it, but you got to get up when you scrape your knees and you will, and you'll, you'll fall down and you got to try different things. And, and the participation trophy is not about the accomplishment necessarily. It's about the process. It's about committing to the process and going through and being a good team player and, and showing up when you need to show up. And doing and doing the best you possibly can in the context and you know in the game or when you go to practice and and it's about the friendships. That's what the participation trophy is all about. It's not about the damn game or winning a tournament. So, but a lot of kids, if they if they don't have if they didn't have parents that understood that whole concept, then they came out thinking that they were special. And then what happened was when you get when you think that. And you continue to be nurtured in this bubble. What happens is the bubble pops when you go have to go out and find an, and go to an interview, or you get out in the cold world uh, of reality, and you start your job. And all of a sudden, you, you're not the special one. So for those kids, it led to an artificially high expectation, which ran up against the in-your-face reality of the job market, and they just couldn't cope with it, or they can't cope with it, and that's why they're having a hard time with it right, right now. The second reason that I think the generation is having such a hard time with this is because it's, I think it's the impact of social media on warping the actual reality of things. Now, now seeing everyone's amazing light highlight reel, because that's what really what it is. I mean, social media is a highlight reel. It's not the behind the scenes. It's not making the sausage. It's, it's the sausage being on a grill in a commercial looking perfectly cooked perfectly and ready to be, you know, eaten. That's what it is. So you don't you don't get to see that. So you see everybody's amazing highlight reel on Instagram or Snapchat, and that creates an artificial reality that that someone's personal expectations, like yours or mine, uh, you wouldn't be able to come close to it. Your expectations wouldn't even come close to this thing, thinking that all these people are living these amazing lives, even though they aren't. And the fact is, is you could very well be doing a lot of good work, a lot of good solid uh, moving forward and expanding and. Uh, and, and living your life how you're supposed to and taking care of your stuff. But when you when you put it up against this, the perfect situation, you know, if you take all the, the great, amazing things of a person and then you just put those online and then that's what you see, then you're going to, it may not even be conscious. There's a good chance all this is subconsciously done in your mind because you're thinking to yourself, who doesn't know? About the highlight real thing, right? About, oh, that was your just best case and that's not their real life and all that kind of stuff. We all know that. We're not stupid. Even though that's the case, though, subconsciously, it registers that way. You're saying, yeah, but they still get to do this, and they're still doing this, and, and look at all these people. And it's not just one person. It's not just one friend. It's a constant. You're fl- you're flipping through. It's like every friend that you have, and friend of their friend, and friend of the friend of the friend, everybody's like curing cancer. And you're sitting there going, what the hell am I doing wrong? And that's an, I think that's another reason why. Then, they, then you know, all you do, you, you take a look around, right? Take a look around, you're like, Oh shit! I'm t- I'm I'm typing up this this memo, this email to somebody I that that bugs the hell out of me about something that I don't even care about, and uh, and I have to get here at seven in the morning, and uh, and I can't even do what I you know want to do to like turn, like a quick workout or 
a quick meditation or whatever, and I got to get here because the traffic blows, right? And so, so I think that takes a lot of wind out of the sails, right? So the third reason that I think that uh, the millennials are having a hard time with the whole job satisfaction thing is um, it, it's a big thing I see with my private clients that I've seen recently with my private clients. And it has to do with a person not feeling the job or the company is aligned with their own ideals or their own purpose. Now, for the record, I love when this is the reason. I absolutely love it. You know why? Because when this is the reason, it shows me that this person, that my client that comes into me, is way ahead of the curve in understanding their own inner call to purpose. And they want to or have some have some idea as to what what aligns with them and their ideals and who they are. And they want to be at a place that gives them the ability to unleash all of that energy or to or to at least share that energy in a space that's striving towards the same purpose objective. You want to, you know, it's like, it's like jumping in a river and, uh, and going, Hey, I'm going that way anyway, the, the way that the, that the current's going and I'm going to go that way and I'm just going to roll with it. I'm going, I'm, ba- I'm basically going to float and go 10 miles an hour down to where I want to go versus jumping into a river and having to swim upstream against a 10 mile an hour current. You're going to be sitting there paddling like hell and you're going to be putting all this energy into it. You're not going to get anywhere and you're going to be tired and very unfulfilled if that's the case instead of just jumping in and cruising down where you want to go. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And and so I I see this. the, the tide is turning because there's more socially conscious or I should say conscious companies that are coming out. But I mean, you know, come on. Just take a look around. It's still old school. We're still dealing with the old, you know, the 20th century, the 19th century economy stuff. We're still still dealing with shareholders and old codgery, old older generation guys and boards that they just trying to make a buck. And they'll and and this has been proven because you've seen it. They 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 just don't give a shit about anybody, but but the bottom line and and creating you know ten cents more per share, and uh, if if there if some level of social consciousness gets in the way of that, they're they're not going to even consider it. So a lot of companies are still like that, and you might be there, or you might be just at a company. You might be at a company that's just clueless. Because there's a lot of companies out there that are totally clueless and all the, they were created to make money. They were created to provide a service, maybe make at the beginning with a mission, with a decent mission statement. But by now, it's just, it's been so convoluted and messed up. And there's so many people in there that, that the whole thing's just lost any, any touch of foundation or a reality to it, except, you know, people show up for their jobs and they punch in and they punch out and, you know, they're in, and then they just, they go home and they, if you're sitting there going, Oh my God, I, 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 it's Friday. It's awesome. The weekend. Yeah. It just, and then you're, and then Sunday night, you're just in a mortal depression. That's not any way to live. And, and I understand that you, you sit there and you look at priorities and responsibilities. I get the, I get the responsibility thing and I preach that all the time. I hate saying preach, but you know what I mean? I, I make sure that I validate in my clients the fact that you have to take care of your, you got to get your house in order and you got to take care of your house first before doing anything, which means if you have bills, you have to have a damn job. You got to have some income coming in. That is your responsibility. I'm not saying, and that's the whole point of this whole thing. The whole thing is, is that yes, but, and it's a big but. The but is, is that you can, there are ways while you still stay in this shit job, 
for now, there are ways that you can start to think about how to move out or how to get in a better position. And that's what all this is about. So all that being said, here are the three proven paths out of the soul-crushing job and into fulfilling career. Number one, purpose project. Now, now, purpose project, it's not a side gig or a side hustle. You know why? Here's the difference between the two, three, the between the two, the purpose project and the side hustle. The side gig is meant to bring in extra money. That's not what a purpose project is all about. What the purpose project is about is about, it's like, it's being like being a little part-time entrepreneur, like a little, you know, your, your moonlining is a little entrepreneur and it's all about you and what your, what your, uh, life, you know, what, what your gift is and when, what you can, and what you're interested in and what you can bring some passion into it. And we'll talk about passion, but more, more so bring in, uh, bring in a purpose. And the thing is, is that, you know, what you are really interested in and what you can put time in to geek out on. I mean, what do you geek out on? And I don't, I don't care if it's Star Wars. I don't care if it's, uh, you know, I don't know, the, the Monopoly. I don't, you know, whatever. Whatever you geek out on, that's the start. And that's the start of the Purpose Project. And like I said, I call it a part-time entrepreneur. And and here, here are the three steps of a Purpose Project. Not a side gig, because you can go drive for Lyft. Um, I'm still, I'm still anti Uber because of all the shit that happened. That's just me, but I'm just saying you could do that and make more money, but that's not the point. Cause the making more money is really just kind of, uh, you're just keeping your head above, above water. And most of the time when you make more money, you just go out and buy more shots of fireball instead of putting it towards what you need to put it towards. Cause now it's in your hand and, and that's, that's just a psychological aspect of finance. So I'm not talking about that. So here are the three, the three steps within the little purpose project. It's the research where you commit to at least an hour, do do half an hour, uh, you know, instead of watching the next, you know, the next, uh, you know, Black Mirror or American Horror Story or, or, you know, uh, the Kardashians, uh, a half an hour, jump on the computer and just start dicking around. Just start Googling stuff that's interesting to you. I don't care. What are you interested in? Wedding dresses, uh, um, you know, posters, uh, whatever, whatever you it doesn't have to be something just just something you're interested in knowing a little bit more about and you, and you would actually have fun learning more about something there's got to be something out there so commit an hour commit a half an hour to an hour every day to geek out and research something after your work after your initial job right so you're you're doing your finance your responsibilities done you come home you're tired whatever get your laptop out put on your you know or get your phone out and start messing around with it right Something that you're interested in. I would, I, I would really stay away. This is going to be sound weird, but I would stay away from deeply passionate things. The things that you're deeply, like if you have something that you're just obsessively deeply passionate about, I would tend to stay away from that. And I'll tell you why. Usually something that emotionally connective to you, that emotionally important to you, there's a reason why it's sort of out of whack and there's so much emotion put towards it. The reason might have to do with an ego thing. And a lot of times when you get in and you start geeking out about it, you will either a crush your, crush your passion for it. Because once you start geeking out on it, it sort of takes the, it takes the shine off of it. It's sort of, you just sort of, you know, kind of get used. It's like getting a new car, getting a new car. You're, you can be obsessed about getting a new Wrangler. Because you're like always wanting a Wrangler your whole life. You've got a vision board with Wrangler pictures all over it. And you finally get a Wrangler. 
and you draw, and then in you know talk to me in two, like three years and see how shitty those things drive and how crappy they are their conditioning is and and uh the fact that it's it they break down and you know so it's it, that's what i mean i mean it, if you're deeply passionate about something in terms of a purpose project just be careful with that because there might be a reason why you're so over overtly uh you have so much emotion put into it so it's, i would go more towards what what what's fun what interests you what's like yeah that that's kind of cool i never thought about that or what I, I wonder how that's done or something cool like that that's the first little the research part the geek out part so you got to geek out on it the second thing is once you geek out on it, you're going to see the layers let's say you're interested in baking or cooking just for the hell of it because because you think wow that'd be kind of cool to make those things and you, you and you're just you're kind of a, a food geek or Instagram food guy or girl or whatever, and you think well, it'd be kind of cool to kind of check out and see how I could do that myself maybe, or what goes into it even not even having to do it. So all of a sudden you start you just get on there and you start going into you know the uh, chefs or let's, let's say baking you go into like like cool little baking hacks. Once you do though, you're gonna find that once you get into like baking cupcakes. You would think, well, it's just, you know, you put the mix together and you throw them in there and you bake them and you come out and you put frosting on the top. You're going to find when you get into looking at baking it with cupcakes or baking cupcakes that it's there's a lot more to it. A lot of layers, a lot of things you can do, a lot of temperature variations, a lot of uh, I mean, you know, a lot of different d- doughs or, or, you know, flours or whatever you can do. And once you start doing that. Then, uh, then something's going to interest you in that. Or you're going to start asking questions, and the questions are going to be, "Wait a minute. Well, yeah, but they say this and they say this. Well, what if you do this?" So you're going to start seeing the matrix. You know, you're going to start seeing the in betweens and seeing what's not out there, or something that you think, "Well, it'd be kind of cool if this was actually a thing," and uh, and maybe I'm going to try that. Maybe I'm going to experiment with it. And then that's what that's when you you go to the store, you buy the pans, you buy the little cupcake container things, you buy the flour and the sugar and all that other crap, and you come home and you start your lab because the the third part of the whole uh, purpose project is the experiment. You dip your toe in it. You start mixing shit up in the kitchen and and throwing stuff together and making small batches and just just small batch stuff, just messing around or different icings or different. Uh, you know, all you can go way out of the box and do like frozen cupcakes or some ridiculous thing like that. The whole point is, is that that's that's what you need to do to start getting interested in starting up your purpose project. Because you know what's going to happen once you get through the geeking out of the research and and then finding out what like a little niche that you can kind of work on or that you'd be interested in working on, and then you start messing around with it and you start making stuff. You're creating. You're creating. What do you? How are you going to feel when you start creating something? You're going to feel amazing. And even if you have to get up at 5.30 every morning and get and get in your car or jump on the train and go to that that soul-crushing job, you know what? You're going to go, yeah, but when I'm, when I'm home at 5 or whatever and after I do my quick workout or whatever or when the kids go down or go to bed, you know, at 9, then I'm going to – I got like a half hour and I'm going to – and I have a really good idea for a new icing. That's what's going to happen. So that's, that is a very fulfilling part about what, about what you're doing. And as you go through that and as you understand and, and become more interested and more involved in this little passion thing, this uh, uh, purpose project, then that may lead to you making something of it, right? So that's, and, and, and then that's the whole process of now you make it legitimate and you, you can put, you know, you do a website, or you start making cupcakes and going to the farmer's market. 
I mean, I, I did that with my ex. We, she loved making ice cream. She was a bakery chef. Uh, and uh, pastry chef, and she started making ice cream, and we went to the farmer's market. And from there, she won best, uh, well, we, she won best ice cream in Phoenix two years in a row by Phoenix Magazine. So, you know, go figure, right? All from a purpose project. So the so starting a purpose project is the first thing you can do to get out of your soul-crushing job. It's one thing. Another thing you can do is volunteer. And I know you've heard this a million times, but it's it's really true. And this is coming from somebody who served on a board of direct, directors for a th- almost five years, I think four and a half, five years, uh, with a with a local nonprofit here in Scottsdale that we helped single parents and their kids uh, go through cancer treatment. So if you're a single mom or single dad and or if you had a child that was going through cancer, we helped you guys uh, through uh, uh, giving, uh, bringing donations, having a uh, care a counselor help out with them, uh, helping out with some bills and, uh, or putting on, putting on some, uh, putting on a big, uh, uh, like a show, not a show for them, but a big ball for them so they can feel like they've dressed up and it's that they're special. It just, it was such an amazing experience. I also volunteered over at ASU and, uh, in terms of the, uh, for the parents organization over there when my daughter was going to ASU. So volunteering is, and here's why, here's why for the volunteering, but when you help others, it creates, a, uh, it creates a bond, uh, and it also creates a sense in you that you're doing something more. And and the key to, to to the key to expansion, the key to to being more connected with other people, and to feeling better about yourself, is to connect. And that's how volunteering does. When when you volunteer your time or your or your more your time, you know you can you can throw money at something, but you don't have that connection. And if you're scared about getting out there and getting with a bunch of new people, let me tell you right now, being involved in this for so long, it, it's the most it's the most welcoming environment ever. And if you do find something and it's not welcoming, then then the, first of all, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and you're in the wrong place. And there's a plenty of other places that would love to have you. So that's again, that's the volunteering part. It'll lead into shifting your own perspective and maybe creating like this epiphany moment in yourself about some opportunity or idea and it'll shine a light on it with your new inner priority. Because when you get into the situation, you're going to be in a a new inner priority. Your priorities might shift. And when they do, you're going to see things differently. You're going to reframe reality in life. And when you do that, you could align with something that's really cool. All through opening yourself up through volunteering. The third and the final thing that you can do to get out of your soul crushing job is to um, stay at your job. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, here's the. Okay, just follow me on this. <clears throat> you can stay at your job and make it more fulfilling by doing just what I talked about. It's it's all about reframing. It's all about instead of taking the selfie straight up. I just saw my hair, man. It's a mess. Taking your selfie straight up and yeah, no filters, and that's and you just and you just go on your face, or you can just see what's behind you. And let's say you're up against a like like a big ass trash bin or something, and all you see this gross trash bin like right behind you. That's one way to look at it. But if you come up to the left and up high, which they say is where you take should take your selfies, take your arm out, your left arm out, go up to the left, and then kind of and then have it angle downward. If you do that, all of a sudden. The, you're, to your left is like a maybe you're on Ibiza, right? You're up against a trash can because it's blue because you think it's a be- good background. But all of a sudden, on this side, they see this beautiful, sparkling, amazing water and and sand and everybody having a great time. And you're all tanned and you're all rocking it. 
And that that's reframing. Do both of those realities exist? Yes, they do. The trash bin is still there and the beach is still there and the people are still there. It depends on how you want to see it. Do you see the trash bin or do you take it up and do you see the water and the people and the and your tanned ass? Nah, it's up to you. That's reframing and that's the whole point. You can instead of looking at your job as just one thing that is sucking the life out of you, this job, look at it as a bunch of little pieces that make up a job. Because a job is made up of a lot of components like individual tasks and business relationships and personal relationships and office culture and the commute even and the lunch break and communications throughout the day and deadlines and writing emails, maybe even math for God, you know, I mean, God forbid, right? Ask yourself, is there any part of this job that I can focus on that can get me more in line with my own motivations, my own inspirations? Is there anything in this job? Is there anything that when I do, when I do it at the job, it, it doesn't feel as though I'm selling any part of my soul? Is there anything that in there that you can latch onto and, and sort of morph in a way or help that grow in a way to where you can learn more about it? Again, it's like you're geeking out on it. All of a sudden, you're back and doing your little purpose project. At your at your job, you're doing your purpose project. You take this little thing and you kind of run with it. Uh, or is there something available at my company that I can weasel my way into that I'll be able to learn and grow in an inspiring direction? Because I was uh, I, uh, back in the day when I was going to college and I was at, at Cal State Fullerton, I wanted to, all of a sudden I decided I want to be in radio. I want to be a DJ. So I, uh, so it was a summer and I got, I got my truck and I, uh, went down to, I, I was living in, uh, just south of LA in Orange County at the time. And I went into the city and, uh, went to the radio station KNAC 105.5 rock and rhythm KNAC and went up to the, went up to the receptionist and I just said, Hey, I'm Tony. And, um, I want to be a, I want to work here. I want to be a DJ. I want to be on the air. I'll do anything right now. I'll do anything. I swear to God, I did this. I said, I'll do, I'll, I'll sweep the floors. I just want to work here. And the receptionist, and I still remember Barb. She's awesome. That, cause, so she goes, uh, kind of looked at me weird. Cause yeah, of course. And, uh, she said, well, we don't have any, you know, openings for a janitor. <laughs> of course, they, cause they have, it's an office space and they don't hire their own janitors. Right. But she goes, but we do have an internship in the sales department here. And I said, great, I'll do it. She goes, well, what you have to do is, you have to uh, meet with uh, Nikki, who's the sales uh, manager here. And then you have to be, uh, she goes, where are you going to school? I go, Cal State Fullerton. She goes, no, you have to be at Cal State Long Beach. That's the only school. I go, okay, I'll transfer. So I go, what else do I need? Well, you got to meet with Nikki and this and that. I go, okay, fine. So I left same day, left, went over to Cal State Long Beach, which was just about 10 minutes away. Went there. What do I need to do to transfer into the radio TV major? Went uh, went back to Cal State Fullerton, which is only about, about half an hour away from there, and and dropped out. Went back to Cal State and went to Long Beach State, and uh, and uh, reapplied. Told them I, dro- I told them all the stuff, and I transferred over. So I transferred over, and in the radio TV department. That then it was probably. I think that was a Friday. So I think it was a couple of days later. Anyway, I went back up to the radio station, said, all right, I've done this. I want to meet with Nikki. Nikki was there, went in, talked to Nikki, got into the internship. When I got into the internship, I, I was at the radio station every day. I was uh, going to school, had 15 credits, and I was also working. I, at the time, I was working at Disneyland, which is a whole other story. So I went into the uh, into the radio station every day. I made it in there because I absolutely 
loved it. I mean, I was so interested in it and so interested in how things worked. And it was just it, so riveting to me to, to be able to be a part of this process. But I was in the sales department. I didn't want to be in the sales department at all. Uh, writing copy for, for people, uh, for, ad, for local advertising sucked. But I was there and I did that. But what I did was that was only, I only needed to do that for like an hour or two hours. And then after that, I just hung out. I hung out and I got to be friends with everybody. And I asked a ton of questions without being a pain in the ass and got to know Jimmy really well. And, and uh, Jimmy was the program director and which is in charge of all the programming in charge of all the DJs. And he had an intern. And after a couple of weeks, this happened so fast. It was like the same summer after a couple of weeks, he, uh, he came to me and said, Hey, Tony, um, our, our program intern is leaving. And do you want to do it? I'm like, fuck yeah. So, so literally it was like ah, about a month of doing the sales stuff, but being there every single day and knowing what I wanted and just in, in creating something different because I was just, I was around to help the programming and help the DJs as much as I could. Cause I wanted to learn. I just wanted to just soak it all up. And I created that. And that's, that's another way to be at a job. I didn't want to be in sales. But I was there and I did the sales thing, but I also did something else because I saw another opportunity that I was way more interested in. And that's, that's the key. And those are the three things you can do. You can start a purpose project on the side. Don't expect any money from it because that's not the point. The second thing you can do is volunteer. Volunteering is insane in terms of how much it opens up because of the connections that you make and, and how you feel about your, your contribution to society, which everybody should do. The third thing is um, stay at your job and find something in there you can latch on to and be interested in and then work on that as your little purpose project at your job. So those are the things. So the bottom line is, and what I want to leave you with is with this, you are not stuck. You may think you are. If you look at your reality, if you look at the frame that you've that you're looking at constantly every single day, that selfie that's looking right at you, that one right in front with a trash bin behind you, it looks like a shit sandwich. It looks like I can't do anything else because I got to make the money and I'm already spending too much and I'm already in in debt and I got this and I got student debt or I've got a, you know, or, you know, I've got a baby mama to take care of or I've got kids or I've got, you know, whatever, Uh, gambling debt. I don't care. Whatever. So you have obligations because you've already tied a bunch of knots in your rope and you're and you feel as though you're stuck because or you're or you have to stay where you're at or you're in some sad ass, you know, relationship that's sucking the life out of you. None of, you're not stuck at all. There's there's a way to make changes in those things. But the key is this. First of all, you have to realize that you're not stuck. Because that's a that's a, 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 a more of a victimization thing, and it's and it's crap, and it's not true. Because you can just lift your cell phone up and over, and now you're, you you can see uh, new opportunities within your life, and there's a ton of them. You just have to look for them. The, the second thing is, if you do make uh, big moves in your life, don't make big moves in your life. Make small ones, because if if you do big moves, it's gonna shake the world too much, and people are gonna freak out you and everybody else. So I'm saying you can do all these things. If you're in some crappy ass job, you can do all these things. You can start your little purpose project. You can half an hour every single night. You can do some volunteering on the weekends for an hour. If you call up and say, I, I got an hour, they'll say, great, come on over. We, we, we can use you. Or you can uh, stay at your job and look for something that's more interesting. So if you do, if you're doing eight and a half hours there, at least you have something that you are looking forward to doing and you can build on that. Those are that those are the three ways you can get out of a soul crushing job and into a more fulfilling career. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always get a hold of me. 
Tony at javabud.com. You can go to javabud.com or you can go to the YouTube uh, for, go to the YouTube, <laughs> go to YouTube for my station, which is the Java Bud, because I record all podcasts. And like I said, I have a couple radio shows that I've been on and I'm going to post those as well. And you can always go to the podcast or to the website and get and listen to all the podcasts or see the videos because I post them there as well. You can get a that, that freebie that I've had up if you haven't signed up for that. It's just a real freebie on how to, you know, use really cool phrases to, you know, shift to reframe your life because everything's about reframing. Or you can go on to the website to buy the book because the book is up there. Hope everything is great. I hope there's something in here you can work with. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. 